After reciting the Tashahud, Ta'awuz and Surah Al-Fatiha, Hazrat Khalib the Masih V, Ayyadullah Ta'ala bin Isla Aziz stated, The accounts in the life of Hazrat Usman were being mentioned. There is a narration with regards to the status of Hazrat Usman and how the companions regarded him during the life of the Holy Prophet as well as after him. Nafi relates from Hazrat ibn Umar who said, During the lifetime of the Holy Prophet we used to declare certain people superior to others from among the people. We regarded Hazrat Abu Bakr to be the best, then Hazrat Umar bin Khattab and then Hazrat Usman bin Affan. May Allah be pleased with them all. This is a narration from Bukhari. Another narration in Bukhari is recorded in the following manner. Nafir relates from Hazrat Ibn Umar, may Allah be pleased with them both, who said, We were present during the time of the Holy Prophet We would not consider anyone equal to Hazrat Abu Bakr following him, Hazrat Umar, and following him, Hazrat Usman We would then refrain from discussing the ranks of the companions of the Holy Prophet and not considered anyone superior to anyone else. There is a narration of Muhammad bin Hanafiya with regards to Hazrat Usman being counted among the best people following the Holy Prophet He relates I asked my father, Hazrat Ali, as to who ranked as the best person after the Holy Prophet He replied that it was Abu Bakr. I then asked who was after him. He said that it was Umar. I hesitantly asked who followed him and he replied that it was Hazrat Usman. I then said, O my father, do you rank after him? Upon this he replied, I am an ordinary man among the Muslims.
The relationship the Holy Prophet ﷺ had with Hazrat Usman and Hazrat Usman's rank in the eyes of the Holy Prophet ﷺ can be gauged by the fact that the Holy Prophet ﷺ did not lead the funeral prayer of an individual who harboured rancour towards Hazrat Usman. The details of this incident have been recorded in the following manner. Hazrat Jabir relates that once the funeral procession of an individual was brought before the Holy Prophet so that he would lead the funeral prayer. However, the Holy Prophet did not do so. Someone said, O Messenger of Allah, we have never previously observed you refrain from leading the funeral prayer of someone. Upon this, the Holy Prophet said, This individual harbored rancor towards Usman. As such, Allah the Exalted also holds enmity towards him. With regards to the justice of Hazrat Usman anhu, and how he ordered for his brother to be punished after he was proven guilty, there is a narration by Ubaidullah bin Adi in which he relates both Hazrat Miswar bin Makhrama and Abdurrahman bin Aswad bin Abde Yawuth said to me, What is preventing you from speaking to Hazrat Usman regarding his brother Walid? as people have said many things about him, based on some of his misdeeds. So I went to Hazrat Usman, and when he went out for prayer, I said, I have a request from you, and this is something that is beneficial for you. Hazrat Usman said, O oh good man, did Muammar say this to you? I believe that he has said this to you, i.e. that he has come to deliver his message. Following this, Hazrat Usman said, I seek refuge with Allah from you. Hearing this, he, i.e. the person who came to see Hazrat Usman, left and returned to those people. In the meantime, a messenger from Hazrat Usman came and subsequently I went with him to see Hazrat Usman. Hazrat Usman inquired, what was the advice that was beneficial for me, as he had said this earlier. I replied, Allah the Almighty sent Muhammad with the truth and revealed the book, i.e. the Holy Quran, to him. You are also amongst those who accepted the call of Allah and His Messenger. You participated in two migrations, supported the Holy Prophet and witnessed his practices. Following this, I said, People have raised many concerns about Walid, who was Hazrat Usman's brother. Hazrat Usman said, Did you witness the time of the Holy Prophet I replied that I did not, but his knowledge reached me, i.e. he did not witness his time, but matters relating to the time of the Holy Prophet reached him, which would reach even an unmarried woman living in seclusion. Following this, Hazrat Usman anhu said, Allah most certainly sent Muhammad with the truth. And I am amongst those who accepted the invitation of Allah and His Messenger. 
I believed in everything the Holy Prophet was sent with and participated in two migrations, as you have said. I enjoyed the company of Allah's Messenger and pledged allegiance to him. By Allah, I never disobeyed him, nor did I ever cheat him. Eventually, Allah caused him to pass away. Then after him, in my view, Hazrat Abu Bakr is to be obeyed in the same manner, and I obeyed him, just as it was compulsory to obey Hazrat Umar as well. Subsequently, I was made the Khalifa. Thus, do I not possess the same right as the two previous Khulafa? I replied, Indeed. To which he replied, Then what are these matters that I am informed of? As for the matter you mentioned regarding Walid, God willing, we will hand him the prescribed punishment, i.e. he would be punished according to the crime he committed. After this, he called for Hazrat Ali and ordered for Walid to be whipped. Subsequently, Hazrat Ali ordered for him to be handed 80 lashes. In the commentary of this hadith from Bukhari, Hazrat Sayyid Zainul Abidin Waliullah Shah Sahib writes, The allegation against Walid bin Uqba was for drinking, as a result of which he was punished. Witnesses confirmed that it was not a juice prepared from dates or munakka, and was in fact an alcoholic beverage, like those consumed in the days of the Jahiliya period. Hazrat Usman did not consider their close relation. In fact, owing to his close relationship with him, he ordered double the punishment. Instead of handing him 40 lashes, he was given 80 lashes, and this amount is proven from the example of Hazrat Umar anhu. In another narration, Ata bin Yazid narrates from Hamran, the freed slave of Hazrat Usman, who stated that once Hazrat Usman bin Affan asked for a container to be brought to him, Hazrat Usman then placed both hands inside and washed them with water three times. He then placed his right hand inside the container and rinsed his mouth and cleaned his nose. He then washed his face and his arms up to his elbows three times. He then passed his hands over his head and then washed his feet up to the ankles three times. Hazrat Usman then said, The Holy Prophet used to say, Whosoever performed the ablution as I have done and then offered two rakats, of prayer in a manner that was free from all distractions, then all the sins of that individual would be forgiven. The additional azan that is called on Fridays began in the time of Hazrat Usman. Details regarding this is as follows. Zuhri has narrated from Saib bin Yazid, who stated that during the time of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar the first azan for Jummah would be called when the Imam sat down on the mimbar. In the time of Hazrat Usman, when the Muslim population increased significantly, he ordered for a third azan to be called from Zahra. Abu Abdullah states that Zahra was a place in the market of Medina. This incident has also been mentioned in Fiqh Ahmadiyya in relation to this hadith, that in the time of the Holy Prophet Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar only one azan was called 
on Fridays from near the mimbar, which was always placed inside the mosque. Later, in the time of Hazrat Usman, the second azan was initiated, which was called from a rock named Zahra situated near the door. In Ni'matul Bari, a commentary of Sahih Bukhari, under this hadith it is written, Ibn Shihab Zuhri narrates from Sahib that the mention of the third ahadith in this chapter is including the Iqamat. There were two azans previous and a third one was called. In the narration I read earlier, it was stated owing to the increase in the Muslim population, a third azan was called as Zahra. The third azan was as such that the first and second azan would be called, then the takbir has also been referred to using the word azan. Thus, in this way, people are called to the prayer three times. There is also a narration regarding offering the Friday prayers on the same day as Eid. Abu Ubaid, the freed slave of Ibn Azhar, narrates that once on the day of Eid al-Adha, he offered the Eid prayers behind Hazrat Umar. Hazrat Umar led the prayers before delivering the sermon before the congregation, in which he stated, O people, verily the Holy Prophet forbade from keeping a fast on both Eid days. One Eid day commemorates the end of the fasting month, whilst the other Eid day is the day on which you eat the meat of the sacrificed animals. Abu Ubaid states that he also offered the Eid prayers behind Hazrat Usman anhu, and which fell on a Friday. Hazrat Usman led the prayers prior to the sermon. He then addressed the people and said, O people, today is a day in which you have been blessed with two Eids. Thus, those living on the outskirts of Medina who are able to wait for the Friday prayers may do so, and whosoever wishes to return, they have my permission to leave. There is a statement in Fiqh Ahmadiyya regarding which I am yet to see any evidence to support it. In Fiqh Ahmadiyya it is written, if Eid falls on a Friday, then after the Eid prayers, the Friday prayers should not be offered nor should Zohar prayers be offered. Instead, the Asr prayers are to be offered at Asr time. There is also a narration from Ata bin Rabah who states that on one occasion, Eid fell on a Friday. Hazrat Abdullah bin Zubair said, since two Eids have been joined on the same day, they will be offered together. Thus, Hazrat Abdullah bin Zubair offered two rakats for both prayers before the afternoon. Subsequently, no prayers were offered until the Asr prayers, i.e. on that day, only the Asr prayers were offered. More research needs to be done in this regard. Hazrat Khalid the fourth Rahimahullah also said the same thing and carried out research. Initially, I also thought that perhaps there was no need but no other narration has been found which directly indicates the practice of the Holy Prophet whereby the Zohar prayers were not offered.
There is only this narration stating what Hazrat Abdullah bin Zubair did. Therefore, further research is needed in this regard. Fikr is being revised again, and in my view, this narration ought to be checked thoroughly again to see how accurate it is in that the Zohar prayer does not need to be offered. It is correct that the Friday prayers does not need to be offered, but to say that even the Zohar prayer does not need to be offered, aside from the aforementioned hadith, we do not find any narration which has been quoted directly from the Holy Prophet or the Khulafai Rashidin, or from the research I asked to be carried out, no narration has come to light as of yet. With regards to bathing on Fridays, there is a narration in which Hazrat Abu Hurairah states, Hazrat Umar bin Khattab was delivering the Friday sermon before a congregation when Hazrat Usman bin Affan entered. Hinting towards Hazrat Usman, Hazrat Umar said, What is the matter with the people? That they arrive late after the azan has been called. Upon this, Hazrat Usman stated, O leader of the faithful, as soon as I heard the azan, I performed the ablution and made my way straight here. Hazrat Umar stated, You only performed the ablution? Have you not heard the Holy Prophet say that whoever goes for the Friday prayers, they ought to bathe? If there is water available and one has access to water, it is imperative to bathe. With regards to the narrations of ahadith, compared to other companions, there are very few marfu hadith narrated by Hazrat Usman. In total, Hazrat Usman narrated 146 traditions, out of which three are present in both Bukhari and Muslim, i.e. they are muttafaq alayh. Eight are only mentioned in Bukhari and five mentioned only in Muslim. In total, 16 hadith narrated by him are present in the Sahihain. The reason why he narrated such few hadith was that Hazrat Usman was extremely cautious with regards to stating traditions of the Holy Prophet He would say that the thing that prevented him from relating traditions of the Holy Prophet was that he thought perhaps his memory was weaker than that of other companions. He said that this would stop him in case he narrated an incident and his recollection was not as clear as some of the other companions, in which case their statement would be more accurate. For this reason, he was very cautious with regards to mentioning narrations. However, Hazrat Usman said, I testify that the Holy Prophet said, Whosoever attributes a narration to me that I have not stated, they will prepare a place for themselves in hell due to it. For this reason, he would be very careful with regards to narrating hadith. Abdul Rahman bin Hatib narrates, I have not seen any companion who would explain himself more clearly and unambiguously than Hazrat Usman, but he would show hesitance when it came to narrating hadith. Humran bin Aban states, Once Hazrat Usman bin Afan asked for water to be brought for ablution. He rinsed his mouth and cleaned his nose with water. He then washed his face three times, washed his arms three times, and performed masa over his head to his shoulders, after which he laughed. He then asked his companions, Will you not ask the reason why I laughed? They asked, O leader of the faithful, why did you laugh? Hazrat Usman stated, 
I saw the Holy Prophet when he was near to this place. He asked for water to be brought and performed the ablution in the same manner as I did. He then laughed and then asked his companions, Will you not inquire as to the reason why I laughed? They said, O Messenger of Allah, why did you laugh? The Holy Prophet said, When a person requests for water and then washes their face, Allah the Almighty forgives all the sins committed by their face. Then, when they wash their arms, the same happens. The same is the case when they perform masa over their head, and similar is the case for when they wash their feet. In actuality, this narration should have been mentioned alongside the previous narration regarding the ablution. Nonetheless, it has been narrated here. With regards to the marriages of Hazrat Usman and his children, it is narrated that he married eight times, all of which took place after he accepted Islam. The names of his wives and children are as follows. Hazrat Ruqayya, the daughter of the Holy Prophet with whom he had Abdullah bin Usman. After the demise of Hazrat Ruqayya, Hazrat Usman married Hazrat Umm Kulthum anha, the daughter of the Holy Prophet Hazrat Fakhta bint Ghazwan, the sister of Hazrat Utba bin Ghazwan. From her, Hazrat Usman had a son named Abdullah, who was known as Abdullah al-Asqar. Hazrat Umm Amr bint Jundub Asdiya, with whom he had Amr, Khalid, Aban, Umar and Maryam. Hazrat Fatima bint Walid Makhzumiya, with whom he had Walid, Sayyid and Umm Sayyid. Hazrat Umm al-Banin bint Uayna bin Hisan Hizariya, with whom he had a son, Abdul Mulk. Hazrat Ramla bint Shaiba bin Rabia, with whom he had Aisha, Umm Aban, and Umm Amr. Hazrat Naila bint Farafsa bint Ahfaz. She was previously a Christian, but had accepted Islam before she was married, and proved to be a faithful Muslim. From her, Hazrat Usman had a daughter named Maryam, and according to narrations it is said they also had a son named Ambasa. According to one narration, when Hazrat Usman was martyred, the following four wives were with him, Hazrat Ramla, Hazrat Naila, Hazrat Ummul Banin and Hazrat Fakhta. According to one narration, during the days of the siege, Hazrat Usman divorced Hazrat Ummul Banin. Explaining the commentary of Surah Nur, Hazrat Khlipthamsi the first radiallahu anhu states, Allah the Almighty states that one form of Nur is the light of divine cognizance, as a result of which one is able to distinguish between good and bad. This spiritual light is found in those homes in which Allah the Almighty is remembered morning and evening. Those who dwell in such homes, like merchants, whose houses are although small, but one day Allah the Almighty will enlarge them Hazrat Abu Bakr Siddiq compiled the Qur'an 
Then after him, this was done by Hazrat Umar radiallahu anhu. Hazrat Usman was the one to circulate it and through Hazrat Ali, its spiritual verities were conveyed to the world. Hazrat Khalid Musih I stated that he learnt various verities of the Holy Quran directly from Hazrat Ali. Hazrat Khalid Musih I further states, In these rukus, Allah the Almighty also revealed that the Khilafat will never be amongst the Ansar, rather it will remain among the Muhajireen. It also states that they will be opposed by the Muslims as well as the disbelievers. This is precisely how the opposition was for Hazrat Abu Bakr, as some of the people were not in favour of Khilafat. Allah the Almighty has given the example of both groups as the following, one who considers a mirage in the desert to be like actual water, whilst the other is those who will oppose despite being in the deep sea of Shariat. Hazrat Khalif the first further states, the ultimate result will be that the vultures will eat their flesh. Among the Khulafai Rashidin, Hazrat Abu Bakr had to face great difficulties, while the army under the command of Hazrat Osama had been sent, an uprising of rebellion began in the Arab land. The people in Mecca were almost on the verge of becoming part of this. However, a wise man came in time and reminded them that they were the last ones to accept Islam and now they were going to be the first ones to leave Islam. Upon this, they refrained from being part of this. As the the I further states, The group mentioned in the following words, was never successful nor received any divine support. Neither in the time of Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Usman, and nor even in the time of Hazrat Ali. This group was never successful. The other group was the one described as Sami'na wa Ata'ana. And these were the ones who were always successful. Thus it is states in the Holy Quran, Ula'ika humul muflihun. The Promised Messiah states, I know for certain that no one can be deemed a true believer nor a Muslim until they instill within themselves the qualities of Hazrat Abu Bakr, Hazrat Umar, Hazrat Usman and Hazrat Ali. May Allah be pleased with them all. Their hearts were pure from the love of this world. Instead, they devoted their lives in the way of God Almighty. The Promised Messiah further states, It is vital to believe that Siddiqui Akbar, Hazrat Farooq Umar, Hazrat Zunnurrain, i.e. Hazrat Usman, and Hazrat Ali Murtaza were all the custodians of the faith. For Islam, Abu Bakr was the second coming of Adam. Similarly, if Hazrat Umar Farooq and Hazrat Usman did not show sincerity in the trust bestowed upon them, then it would be impossible for us to consider even one verse of the Qur'an to be from Allah the Almighty. The Promised Messiah then states, By God, Allah the Almighty enabled the Shaykhain, i.e. Hazrat Abu Bakr and Hazrat Umar and Zunnurain to be like the doors of Islam and they were at the forefront of every army of the Holy Prophet who was the best of creation. Thus, one who denies their lofty honour and discredits the clear and irrefutable arguments in their favour and does not show respect to them but rather dishonours them and vilifies them and speaks ill of them. Then I fear that he may meet a terrible end and will become completely devoid of faith. And those who caused them grief and cursed them and leveled allegations against them, consequently their hearts became hardened and they incurred the wrath of the gracious God. I have countlessly observed and have openly expressed this as well, that to hold malice 
and enmity against these noble men is one of the main factors that severs man's bond with God, who is the bestower of blessings. Whoever bears enmity against them becomes completely deprived of mercy and benevolence and the doors of divine cognizance and wisdom are never opened for them and they are left to partake in the desires and pleasures of the world and they are thrown into the abyss of carnal desires and he casts them away from his divine threshold and they remain deprived. The Promised Messiah then states, Whatever progress of Islam was made after the Holy Prophet was through these three companions, that is, Hazrat Abu Bakr, Umar, and Usman. Then, whilst mentioning the Ahl Tashi, i.e., the Shias, the Promised Messiah states, What can be said about your verbal abuse? Because save a few, you hurl abuse against all the companions. Moreover, you curse the wives of the Holy Prophet ﷺ, the mother of believers. You also claim that there has been some addition and abrogation in the Holy Quran and allege that the current Quran is the Quran of Usman and not from God Almighty. You consider Islam to be like an abandoned land which is completely dry and barren i.e. it is completely empty of the righteous servants of God. The Promised Messiah further states, After having transgressed all bounds, what honour do you now possess? The Promised Messiah states, I have been granted an in-depth knowledge from my Lord regarding Khilafat and just like any scholar I have also been able to delve into the depth of the matter and my Lord has revealed to me that Siddiq, Farooq and Uthman may Allah be pleased with them all were pious believers who were among the chosen ones of Allah the Almighty and were favoured with the special bounties of the gracious God. Furthermore, the many of the wise have borne witness to their verities. They left their lands for the pleasure of the honourable and glorious God. They entered the furnace of every battle, and they cared not for the scorching midday heat of every summer, nor the cold of the night of every winter. Rather, they marched forward upon the paths of their faith like youthful young men, inclining neither to their own people nor to others. And they bade farewell to everything, all for the sake of the Lord of all the worlds. Their actions were imbued with a sweet fragrance and their deeds with an aroma. All of this points to the gardens of their rank and the orchards of their good deeds. Likewise, the aromatic breezes of their zephyr reveals their intricate qualities and their light becomes manifest to us with all its radiance. Thus, you ought to ascertain their illustrious rank from the aroma of their fragrance and do not show haste and follow those who think ill. And do not rely on just certain narrations because they are filled with poison and exaggerations and they cannot be trusted. Many of those narrations are like a powerful and destructive wind and like the lightning 
which deceives one into thinking there is going to be rain. Thus, fear Allah and do not follow such narrations. This concludes the accounts from the life of Hazrat Usman and accounts from the life of Hazrat Umar radiallahu will start next. The Al-Islam team have prepared the first version of a new Holy Quran search website, holyquran.io. This website can be accessed separately from the Al-Islam website. One can research any chapter, verse, word or subject matter in Arabic, English and Urdu through its latest search engine. The search results can be viewed through Ahmadi and non-Ahmadi translations. Under each verse, one can read its commentary, articles and various other verses in relation to it. Further work in producing content is ongoing and its next version will be ready by Jalsa Salana UK 2021, God willing. Apart from this, a new modern version of the Read Quran dot app on Al-Islam website has also been prepared through which one can read, listen and research the Holy Quran. Along with the English commentary, it also has the Tafsir Sagir notes, literal translation of the Holy Quran in English and an index of all its subjects. It has also included various other features which would be beneficial for the daily recitation of the Holy Quran. May Allah the Almighty enable this project to become a means of spreading the beautiful teachings of the Holy Quran across the world and may the members of the Jamaat also derive full benefit from it. I would also like to request you to pray for the Ahmadis in Pakistan. May Allah the Almighty improve their conditions and create ease for them. Similarly, may Allah the Almighty grant steadfastness to the Ahmadis in Algeria and improve the conditions they are currently having to endure. I will now mention details of some deceased members and will also offer their funeral prayers. Many requests are submitted and it is difficult to read the details of each and every one here. However, I will mention a few, but I have included the rest without mentioning their names. May Allah the Almighty grant His forgiveness and mercy to all of them. In any case, those members who are going to be mentioned, I will now read their details. Among them is respected Muhammad Sadiq Sahib Durga Rampuri. From Dhaka, Bangladesh. He passed away on 14th of November 2020 at the age of 75. Verily to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. Apart from the various other services he rendered, he served for a long period of time as his National Secretary of Akhfinor. He would regularly travel to far-off Jamaats in order to organize classes with the Wakfineno and their parents. Until his health allowed, he would regularly attend the mosque. He was a Musi and he leaves behind his wife, three sons and one daughter. 
The next is Mukhtara Bibi Sahiba, wife of Rashid Ahmad Atwal Sahib of Darul Yemen, Rabwa. She is the mother-in-law of Naim Bajo Sahib, who is currently serving as the principal of Jamia Mubashirin in Burkina Faso. She passed away on 16th of January. Very to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. She had the opportunity to serve in Majlis Amla of Lajna for Darul Yemen Gharbi for a total of 17 years. She also had the opportunity to offer financial sacrifices for projects in various countries and sacrificed hundreds of thousands of rupees. Even a few hours before her demise, when she slightly gained consciousness, she asked for her bangles and then instructed her son to immediately go and sell them, which were approximately 350,000 rupees in value, and then give the money to Sadr Sahib so he can arrange for an MTA satellite dish. Two of her sons died in 1995 owing to a car accident in Germany, and she endured this loss with great steadfastness. She would never speak of this incident, nor utter any word of complaint, and remained content with the will of God, and showed patience. She had a great passion and desire for tabligh, and she would travel extensively in order to do tabligh in the villages nearby Rabwa. She had a great passion for the Holy Quran. And apart from regularly reciting the Holy Quran herself, she would also teach the Holy Quran and Yasnal Quran to the children of the local area. She was a Musia and leaves behind her husband, one son, and four daughters. Three of her daughters reside in London and the other daughter is in Burkina Faso. The daughters which are here are also rendering service to the Jamaat. May Allah the Almighty grant her forgiveness. The next funeral is of Manzoor Ahmed Shahad Sahib, who passed away on 17th of January at the age of 82. Surely to Allah you belong and to him shall we return. Ahmadiyyat was introduced to his family in 1903 through his father Hazrat Mia Abdul Karim Sahib, a companion of the Promised Messiah when the Promised Messiah had travelled to Jhelum for the case of Karam Deen. Shahad Sahib moved to Karachi in 1956, where he served as the guide of the district of Karachi and carried out exceptional work under Qudam al-Ahmadiyya. Then he served as the local president of Drake Road Colony and Naibamir of Karachi as well. In 1984, he was part of the group that welcomed Hazrat Khalib the fourth Rahimahullah in Sakkar and remained with him until his departure at the airport. He moved to London in 2010. He used to volunteer at the homeopathic dispensary at Bet al-Fatuh. At the time of his demise, he was serving as the Secretary Tarbiyat and Secretary Tarbiyat for new converts for the Norbury Jamaat. He was a Musi, i.e. part of the al scheme. Three of his grandsons are missionaries and are serving here in the UK. May Allah the Almighty bestow His forgiveness and mercy on the deceased. The next funeral is of Hamida Akhtar Saiba, wife of Abdurrahman Salim Saib of USA, who passed away on 19th January at the age of 92. 
Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. Allah the Almighty granted the deceased the opportunity to serve Lajna Imaullah in Karachi and Rawalpindi for about 50 years, including as the General Secretary as Sadr Lajna as well as Nigran Qiyadat. She had deep love for Khilafat and would also advise her children to establish a sincere relationship with Khilafat. She was regular in offering prayers and tahajjud prayers throughout her life. She paid special attention to reciting the Quran and teaching it as well. She taught her children and her grandchildren as well. She was fortunate to have performed Umrah. She was a Musia. She is survived by five sons and two daughters. Many from among her progeny have dedicated their lives for the faith and are serving the community in various capacities. Dr. Abdul Salam Sahib and Dr. Khaliq Malik Sahib who are rendering great services. May Allah the Almighty bestow His forgiveness and mercy upon the deceased. The next funeral is of respected Nasir Peter Lutzin Sahib, a German Ahmadi who passed away on 20th of January. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. His daughter writes, One day in 1983, my parents passed by the central market in Hanover when they saw a stall which comprised of a single table that had some books on it. And there were two foreign youths standing behind the table. They met them and learned that they were Muslims representing the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Thus, they asked the youth some questions and took some literature as well. After reading the literature, my parents got in contact with the youth and met with them. The three Ahmadis invited them to dinner with them. She further writes, As it was the month of Ramadan, they called them over for iftari, and so my parents went to their home. They had laid out the food on the floor on top of old newspapers as there was no place to sit. Hence, they laid out newspapers on the carpet and served food in this way. My parents liked the food very much. However, they appreciated and enjoyed their simplicity and hospitality even more. She then says, After that night, they would frequently visit each other's homes. After a few months of studying and researching, in 1984, my parents performed the bayt and joined the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. It was the occasion of Eid and respected Nasir Sahib went to Hamburg along with a few other local people where he had the fortune to pledge allegiance. He also once had the opportunity of delivering a speech at Jalsa Salana. She further writes, My mother had a special attachment to religion and her interest in the search for the true religion led her to Ahmadiyyat. Subsequently, she was able to establish a living relationship with the living God and saw signs of the acceptance of prayers many times. And Allah the Almighty showed her many signs as well. She continues, My mother's vision was impaired in one eye. In 1986, she was attending the annual convention in the UK when all of a sudden some of her vision was restored. Up until this point, she was unable to see anything with that eye. However, she was able to see a little from that same eye. She then writes, For someone who had completely lost her vision in one eye, this was nothing short of a miracle, which came after 11 years of being unable to see. 
This was solely the result of prayers and due to attending the convention and praying that she received this blessing. She further says, In London, she would stay at the home of a German Ahmadi, Khadija Saiba. One day my parents left her home to go out for sightseeing and went out to quite a distance and forgot the way home. As it became darker, they grew more worried. They were standing by a street that had heavy traffic and they had no idea where they were. When it became very dark and they lost the path, my mother said, let us pray. They had just finished praying when they saw respected Khadija Saiba's son-in-law had stopped his car in front of them and asked them to sit inside so he could take them home. This incident of the acceptance of prayer was a means of increasing and strengthening their faith. Lake Munir Ahmed Sahib, a missionary in Germany, writes, Litsin Sahib's entire family joined Ahmadiyyat. At that time, we used to say that this is the only German Ahmadi family. He was very sincere, he would speak little and was very respectable. Litsin Sahib would also be at the forefront of presenting financial sacrifices. He would deliver lectures and tablighi programs. Whenever he heard the name of the Promised Messiah, it would bring tears to his eyes. Once, during a tablighi meeting, the deceased expounded upon the teachings of Islam in such a beautiful manner that a 70-year-old German came to me and said that the knowledge he gained about Islam on that day he had never learnt before. May Allah the Almighty bestow his forgiveness and mercy upon him and keep his children steadfast upon Ahmadiyyat. The next funeral is of respected Razia Tanvir Sahiba of Canada who was the wife of Khalil Ahmed Tanvir Sahib, a missionary and vice-principal of Jamia Ahmadi Rabwa. She passed away in Canada on 27th of January at the age of 58. She was suffering from cancer. From a young age, the deceased took an interest in her faith and the passion remained until her demise. She served for 22 years in the office of the Women's Auxiliary Organization in Pakistan as well as various capacities for the monthly magazine Mispa, including a clerical accountant. She continued serving in this capacity until her demise. She had the opportunity to work quite a bit with Hazrat Choti Appa and learned a great deal from her and was fortunate to receive many prayers from her. May Allah the Almighty bestow His forgiveness and mercy upon her. The next funeral is of Mia Manzoor Ahmad Ghalib Sahib, son of Mia Sher Muhammad Sahib of the district of Sargoda. He passed away on 7th of February. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. In 1955, his elder brother accepted Ahmadiyyat. He would then accompany his elder brother to Rabwa on various occasions and there he too accepted Ahmadiyyat. His son in Belgium, Bashir Ahmad Sahib, says he had a deep bond of love for Khilafat and would not deviate in the slightest when it came to obedience to Khilafat. Rather, he would implement exactly what was instructed. I knew him personally, and he truly did serve the Jamaat with sincerity and loyalty, and was obedient to Khilafat. He was a servant of the faith who gave precedence to his faith over worldly pursuits. He was hospitable, extremely devout, took care of the poor, sociable, extremely kind, and was loved by all. 
by the grace of Allah the Almighty, he was able to serve in Khudam al-Ahmadiyya, Ansarullah, and in the Jamaat at the district level in Sargoda as the Finance Secretary, Secretary for Waqf al-Jadid and Tahrik al-Jadid. He carried out his duties in an excellent manner. One of his grandsons is a missionary, Safir Ahmed, who is currently working in the private secretary's office. May Allah the Almighty bestow his forgiveness and mercy upon the deceased. The next funeral is of respected Bushra Hamid Anwar Adni Sahiba, wife of Hamid Anwar Adan Sahib of Yemen. She was the mother of Muhammad Ahmed Anwar Sahib, one of our volunteers in MTA, and the mother-in-law of Munir Ahmed Odeh Sahib, who is the director of programming for MTA. She passed away on 14th of February at the age of 69. Surely to Allah you belong and to him shall we return. She was the granddaughter of Hazrat Haji Mia Deen Sahib Dialwi, a companion of the Promised Messiah, and Hazrat Hussain Bibi Sahiba. The deceased had the opportunity to work in MTA as well. She worked regularly for quite some time in transferring the data for the program Lika Ma'al Arab. and also served in Al-Arabiya. It pleased her greatly to be able to serve the Jamaat in any capacity. She was very patient and grateful. May Allah the Almighty bestow His forgiveness and mercy upon her. The next funeral is of respected Nur Sabah Zafar Sahiba, wife of Muhammad Afsal Zafar Sahib, who is a missionary in Eldoret, Kenya. She passed away on 25th of March at the age of 62. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. She was the youngest daughter of the late missionary Mulana Muhammad Sayyid Ansari Sahib. She was also the sister-in-law of the late Naseem Bajo Sahib from the UK. Her husband Mia Muhammad Afsal Sahib writes, By the grace of Allah, she was regular in offering the five daily prayers. She regularly offered the Hajjad and would recite the Holy Quran every day. She had complete conviction in prayer. She always remained occupied in prayer herself and would always advise her children to pray as well. She would also listen to the sermons of the Khalifa and for the sake of her children's moral training. She would later explain very intricate points to them. She would always relate faith-inspiring stories from the Hadith, history and books of the Jamaat. She would always advise them to serve the faith and to remain attached to Khilafat. By the grace of Allah, she was also a Musi. She was extremely prompt in giving alms and she would take part in every financial scheme. Allah the Almighty granted her a very kind heart when it came to hospitality. He then says, She and I had a 21-year companionship throughout which she exhibited compassion and sympathy. This friendship was very praiseworthy. Whilst Zafar Sahib was serving as a missionary in Fiji, his first wife passed away in an accident along with two children, that is three daughters and a son, so along with four children. And this was Zafar Sahib's second marriage. From the first marriage, he had two daughters, yet she loved them like a mother. 
regarding which the daughters themselves have expressed that she never made them feel as though she was not their mother. She always raised them and taught them well. And this was not limited to the children, as Zephyr Sahib says that she even treated his first in-laws so well that they too were captivated by her good morals. Her daughter says, When she entered our lives, she came as a light, support and a loving mother. She showed us so much love that we never felt that we lost out on the love of our own mother. She had a daughter of her own, yet she never differentiated between the three daughters. She was a selfless woman who always made sacrifices. She had complete faith in God Almighty and she always advised to remain firmly attached to Ahmadiyyat and Khilafat. She would always teach about the respect and relatives and reconciling between them. May Allah bestow His forgiveness and mercy upon her. The next funeral is of Sultan Ali Rehan Sahib, father of Muhammad Ahmad Naim Sahib, a missionary serving in the Central Arabic Desk in the UK. He passed away on 26th of March at the age of 83. Surely to Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. Muhammad Ahmad Naim Sahib writes, Having undertaken his own research, our uncle took the oath of allegiance in 1958. Thereafter, he preached to my father and sent him to Rabwa for the annual convention. After reading a few books, by the grace of Allah, my father also took the oath of allegiance. After accepting Ahmadiyyat, both brothers faced severe persecution and attempts were made on their lives, but God Almighty protected them. The clerics would come to the villages and ask them why they could not even kill two of their youths. But in any case, God Almighty continued to safeguard them. Despite this, they continued till the end to maintain a relationship with non-Ahmadis, relatives and villagers. Despite their opposition, they continued to treat them well. He had two sons and six daughters. May Allah grant him forgiveness and mercy. Muhammad Amunayim Sahib was not able to attend the funeral of his father. The next funeral is of Molvi Ghulam Qadir Sahib, life devotee of Kalaban in Rajuri district in Jammu Kashmir. He passed away on 26th of March at the age of 56. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. Ahmadiyyat was introduced to Molvi Ghulam Qadir Sahib's family through his grandfather Bahadur Ali Sahib. By the grace of Allah, 13 members of this family are currently serving the community. He had the honor of serving as a missionary for 34 years and 6 months. Wherever he would be posted, he would continue to fulfill his duties in teaching and moral upbringing very cheerfully and with maximum effort and zeal. He was very skilled in preaching and was always in the forefront in conveying the message. He would remain resolute in the face of opposition. He was extremely patient, grateful, content and courageous missionary. He is survived by his wife, three sons and two daughters. One of his sons, Bashir and Qadir, is studying in the final year of Jamia Hamdiya Qadiyan. May Allah the Almighty bestow his forgiveness and mercy upon him. The next funeral is of Mahmuda Begum Saiba, wife of Muhammad Sadiq Saib Adif the former Dervish of Qadian. She passed away on 1st of April at the age 
of 85 due to heart failure. Surely to Allah we belong unto him, shall we return. She was the granddaughter of Hazrat Qazi Ashraf Ali Sahib, a companion of the Prophet Sallallahu of Alipur, Khera, Minpur district in the Uttar Pradesh province. She was the daughter of Qazi Shahad Baksh Sahib. She was married to Muhammad Arif Sadiq Sahib Darvesh. During the period of hardship, she spent her time exhibiting patience and gratitude. She would always show patience even when faced with starvation and she never expressed any sign of their poverty in front of anyone. She was very punctual in offering her prayers. In fact, even in her final illness, she was restless with regards to offering the prayers. She was very diligent in reciting the Holy Quran. She was very regular in giving alms. She had a great bond with Khilafat and would always advise her children to do the same. She was a Musiya and is survived by three sons and two daughters. May Allah the Almighty bestow His forgiveness and mercy upon her. The next funeral is of Khalid Saadullah al-Misri Sahib of Jordan, who passed away a few days ago at the age of 60. Surely to Allah we belong unto him, shall we return? He was the first Ahmadi in his family. He was very sincere, regular in offering the prayers and giving alms, and attached to the community. He was very kind, hospitable and friendly. He was very calm and had a habit of speaking little. He considered the word of the Caliph of the time to be decisive. He would watch MTA regularly, especially the Friday sermon. May Allah the Almighty bestow His forgiveness and mercy upon him. The next funeral is of respected Muhammad Munir Sahib of Darul Fazl Rabwa, who passed away on 1st of April at the age of 73. Surely to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. He took the oath of allegiance in 1972 at the hands of Hazrat Khalid Musi III, Rahimahullah. The rest of his family were not Ahmadis, so for this reason they tortured him repeatedly to deter him from Ahmadiyyat. In fact, in 2003, he was given an offer that if he left Ahmadiyyat, he would be given enough money whereby even his children would not have to work, but he remained steadfast upon Ahmadiyyat. His daughter, Gamar Munir Sahiba, is the wife of a life devotee serving here in Islamabad. He is survived by his wife. His son, Tahir Rukas, is also a life devotee. May Allah the Almighty bestow his forgiveness and mercy upon him. He was a very pious and sincere individual. He would always have a smile on his face and never showed any anger. He was regular in offering the five daily prayers and was prompt in donating towards all jandas. His relative Hafiz Sayyidur Rahman Sahib says, My father taught him to work because his non-Ahmadi relatives did not treat him well. So he went to his father, whose shop was nearby. He taught him to work in his shop and then he began staying at his home. He says that he was very regular in going to the mosque to offer prayers where he would sit in the first rows. He developed such a great zeal for preaching that even his wife would often travel with him to the neighboring villages of Rabwa to preach. May Allah the Almighty bestow his forgiveness and mercy upon him. The next funeral is of Master Nazir Ahmed Sahib of Darul Barkat Rabwa, who passed away in 4th of April at the age of 80. Surely to Allah you belong and to him shall we return. Ahmadiyat was introduced to his family through his father, Mia Umar Deen Sahib, son of Mia Karam Deen Sahib of Datta Zaidka in Sialkot district. He was 15 years old 
when he found the path of guidance. And either in 1914 or 1915 he attended the annual convention and took the oath of allegiance at the hands of Hazrat Khalid Msi II. He was guided by means of a dream. Then Master Nazir Sahib moved to 99 North Sargoda. He was boycotted by the school teachers. It was in this very school that his nine-year-old son, Nasir Ahmed, was injured in a knife attack by another student. Yet Master Nazir Sahib showed great patience. His son survived this attack but later passed away of a fever. Whilst lowering the body of his son into the grave, Master Nazir Sahib said with great patience and forbearance, My son, I am proud that you depart with a mark on your body which is a sign of the truthfulness of the Jamaat. Whilst he was serving as a teacher in that village, there was no need for a muallim or a missionary as he would undertake this work himself. Then he was posted near Rabwa and subsequently moved there where he continued to offer his services. He taught numerous children the Holy Quran. After his retirement, he learned the Tirtil of the Holy Quran from Qari Ashik Sahib and he began giving Tirtil of Quran classes in his local area. He tried his best to make sure that every boy and girl who has passed their matriculation exam is able to read the Holy Quran. If there were such who could not, he would go to their home to teach them the Holy Quran. He was regular in offering his tajit from a very young age. When the coronavirus restrictions were put in place in Rabwa, whereby no one over the age of 60 could go to the mosque, he would be very diligent in offering his prayers and the Friday prayer at home. He was convinced through a dream of his that he would pass away at the age of 80, and this came true. He has three sons. and perhaps one daughter as well. In any case, his two sons rather, his three sons are life devotees. One is Aziz Sahib who is serving here in Islamabad. The other is Naseem Ahmed Sahib, a missionary in Rabwa. The third is Sayyid Ahmed Adil Sahib, a missionary in Niger. He too was unable to attend the burial. May Allah the Almighty grant his forgiveness and mercy to the deceased and grant the families of all these people patience and forbearance and enable them to continue their good deeds. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah,